Luke chapter 18 from verse 18. And a ruler asked Jesus, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. And he said, All these I've kept from my youth. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, One thing you still lack. Sell all that you have and distribute to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come follow me. But when he heard these things, he became very sad, for he was extremely rich. Jesus, seeing that he had become sad, said, How difficult it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard it said, then who can be saved? But Jesus said, what is impossible with man is possible with God. And Peter said, see, we have left our homes and followed you. And he said to them, truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or wife or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who will not receive many times more in this time and and in the age to come eternal life. Uh, Let me start by asking you a question. How certain are you uh, that you're going to go to heaven? How certain are you? And what do you think that you need to do to get there? That's the question that's posed in our passage today, isn't it? Uh, I couldn't find data for the UK, uh, but a poll in the US uh, found that Americans are pretty confident when it comes to heaven. Um, for every one American who thinks that they're going to hell, uh, 120 think that they're going to heaven. I don't know what that says about Americans. Uh, but that American optimism uh, contrasts sharply uh, with what Jesus said. Jesus said this, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the road that leads to life, uh, eternal life, heaven, and only a few find it. And that should make us stop and think, shouldn't it? And it should make us uh, listen up uh, when we hear, as we do in this passage, uh, someone coming to Jesus and saying, so what do I need to do to get into heaven? Well, it'd be really good if you could have it open. It's on page 877, uh, Luke chapter 18, verse 18 to 30. Jesus tells us that there is a heaven. Uh, We're told that nobody has ever seen or even imagined uh, what it's going to be like. Uh, The Bible pictures it uh, in various ways. It's described as an amazing banquet, um, true riches that continue forever, uh, a place where there's no suffering, no sickness, no death and separation. And friendship with God, uh, seeing him face to face uh, and enjoying his presence for eternity. And so the big question is, how do we get there? It's got to be one of the most important questions we can ask. Uh, So let's pray before we have a look at how Jesus answers it. Father God, thank you that your word is living and active. Please speak to each one of us through it today, uh, wherever we're at, uh, whatever sort of week we've had, uh, we pray that it wouldn't just go in one ear and out of the other, 
but please shape us and change us by your spirit to be more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Well, in our passage today, uh, we come across a rich ruler, uh, probably some sort of local official. Uh, He's had a successful career. Um, He's done well for himself. He's got plenty of money. Uh, And we see later on that he thinks that he's generally a pretty good person. And so he comes up to Jesus and he asks him the question that's on his mind. Look at verse 18. Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Uh, Or how do I get to heaven? It seems like a genuine question. Uh, He hasn't just asked it to test Jesus like the Pharisees earlier in Luke. Uh, He seems to respect Jesus. Uh, But he does come with a certain amount of pride. It's like he's saying, uh, are there there two or three more things that I need to do uh, to get there? You see, I've I've always been able to pay my way in life. Uh, Tell me the price and I'll pay it. This guy thinks he can make it. But there's also some uncertainty there too, isn't there? And the very fact that he's asking the question points to that, which isn't a surprise, uh, because if we're relying on ourselves to get to heaven, then we're never going to be certain about it. And so whilst Jesus answers very graciously, uh, he actually goes on to show the the ruler that he's, he's wrong about his idea of himself, he's wrong about his idea of God, and he's wrong about how you get to heaven. And uh, Jesus replies with three things. Uh, He says, only God is good. Only God does the impossible. Uh, And only those who see that it's worth everything have really understood. And we're going to look at each of those uh, in turn. Well, let's dive into the story. Uh, When Jesus replies, uh, he doesn't even let the man get away with his first word, does he? Uh, The man comes up to him uh, and he says, good teacher. Uh, And Jesus says, whoa, whoa there. Why do you call me good? I don't think Jesus is saying that he himself isn't good. What he's saying is, uh, don't elevate uh, a man, which is what you see me as, as, some, as uh, higher than you should. You see, no man or woman is truly good. Uh, only God can be described as good. Uh, no man can claim that. You see, Jesus uh, has seen straight into this man's heart, and he sees that deep down, like most of us probably, uh, this man has the wrong idea of what it means to be good. So when uh, Jesus asks him, why do you call me good? He's trying to challenge the man's understanding of what it is to be good. But the man doesn't get it, does he? And so Jesus tests him to see where his heart is. Have a look at how Jesus continues in verse 20. Verse 20, you know the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, honor your father and mother. And the rich ruler cries, yeah, yeah, I know them. Uh, All these I've kept since I was young. I guess it's how a lot of us might reply. Uh, I'm one of the good guys. I don't spend my days uh, murdering people, stealing, committing adultery. Uh, I'm a good person. But tragically, the rich ruler had totally missed the point. He thought he'd kept the commandments, but really he'd missed the heart of what they're all about. In the Deuteronomy reading we heard earlier, uh, the commandments are summed up like this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. What are the first two commandments which Jesus seems to have purposefully not mentioned to him? 
Uh, you shall have no other gods before me, and you shall not serve idols. But there was one thing that this man served and loved more than God. Uh, Jesus knows his heart, uh, and he goes straight after it, doesn't he? Uh, it's there in verse 22. Have a look. Jesus says, One thing you still lack, sell all that you have and distribute to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come, follow me. Uh, Jesus just places his finger exactly on the man's problem, doesn't he? Uh, He's made an idol of money and possessions. Uh, He loves them more than he loves God. Uh, He worships them in a sense. And so we read next that when the rich ruler heard these things, he became very sad because he was extremely rich. You see, when it comes down to it, this man loves money and possessions more than he loves God. And so he can't bring himself to give up those things. All he's really tried to do is just tick the boxes on the commandments. But he's ignored the heart of what they're really about, which is to love God and to have no other gods before him. Uh, Now, at this point, uh, it's worth saying that I don't think Jesus is encouraging us to always give up all wealth uh, here. Uh, There are godly rich men in the Bible, and uh, it's right for us to enjoy the blessings of this world uh, and the the wonderful world that God's given us. But we do need to note that there are regular warnings in the Bible about wealth, uh, and we'll have a look at them later. But the key thing here uh, is this, this man thought he'd ticked all the boxes But in reality, he'd got nowhere. No man can claim to be truly good. Only God is truly good. And so the question for us is, uh, do we think we're one of the good guys? Uh, Or do we try and measure uh, goodness on our own terms uh, rather than on God's terms? Uh, We so easily think like this man, don't we? Uh, I haven't murdered anybody. I haven't stolen anything. Uh, I don't commit adultery. You see, there are a whole heap of things which can lead us into pride and make us think that maybe we're not that far off heaven. Uh, Wealth is probably the biggest one. The Bible warns that riches incline us towards pride, uh, self-indulgence, and loving the world rather than what's to come. Uh, But it could just as easily be uh, our great education, uh, our sporting ability, uh, our morality, uh, our Christian service each week. In fact, any advantage that God has given us by his grace uh, can so easily make us feel like we're valuable and accepted to God and that really he he kind of owes us uh, getting into heaven. We we come to him with a sense of entitlement. On the other hand, uh, maybe you don't think that you're one of the good guys. Uh, Maybe your natural inclination is to think you're not really worth much. Uh, Maybe you have actually done some really bad things. Uh, Well, here, Jesus levels the playing field, doesn't he? He says, look, no one is good enough to inherit eternal life. Uh, On our own, uh, we always love other things more than we love God. It's impossible for us to get into heaven, which would be a sad place to end this sermon, wouldn't it? Uh, But thankfully, what we see next in our story is that God can do the impossible. Uh, Only God can. That's my second point. Uh, So let's dive back into the story uh, and see what happens. Have a look with me at verse 24. Jesus looked at him, uh, the rich ruler, and said, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. 
Indeed, it is easier for a camel to, to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. It's a strong statement, isn't it? It's, uh, it's easier for a camel to get through the eye of a needle. Uh, and the crowd around react to it. Uh, verse 26, those who heard this asked, who then can be saved? But Jesus replied, what is impossible with man is possible with God. Uh, those around were shocked because they thought in their mind, if this rich man can't be saved, then who can be saved? Now, at the time, they saw riches as a sign of God's blessings. And so if even a rich man couldn't get into heaven, uh, then who could? But Jesus says, what is impossible with man is possible with God. Uh, now, uh, if you've come across this passage before, uh, you might know uh, that it's been misunderstood so many times. Uh, in fact, I actually look back at um, uh, my RE teacher at school and I think they totally got, they just got the complete wrong idea about this passage. And uh, you might have heard it misunderstood yourself. So let me quickly uh, address that without spending uh, too long. Uh, some people have said, uh, Jesus doesn't mean it's, it's impossible for rich people to get into heaven. Uh, you see, uh, there must have been some sort of gate in Jerusalem uh, that uh, camels could just squeeze through. And it was called the gate the eye of the needle, that's what they called the gate. Uh, and camels had to kind of get down on their knees, they had to take all their baggage off and they could just squeeze through this gate. Uh, and so what this passage is saying is that rich men, uh, they just need to get down on their knees and take their baggage off uh, and then they can get into heaven. Well, that's just to completely miss the point. You see, firstly, there's absolutely no evidence that that gate exists in Jerusalem. And secondly, the point Jesus is making is clear in the context here. In fact, uh, whenever we're unsure about something in the Bible, uh, the context is nearly always how we can understand it. Uh, you see, camels can't get through the eye of a needle. Uh, and the context is the next verse uh, where Jesus says, what is impossible with man is possible with God. What's impossible? The way that anybody gets saved, a rich or poor, uh, the way that anybody can go to heaven is because what's impossible for man is possible with God. Uh, it's not impossible in the sense that the rich man can't have it at all. Uh, no, he can. You see, the thing is, he doesn't want it. He doesn't want Jesus. Uh, Jesus says, sell all you have and follow me. But the man doesn't love Jesus more than he loves his money. You see, you can't love Jesus the most if you love money the most. You just can't. Uh, this man is enslaved by his money. He can't love Jesus more. It's impossible. Uh, and the reason any of us are saved is because God can overcome that slavery to other things. Uh, he does the impossible if we ask him into our hearts so that we love him the most. What did we look at last week? Uh, the context before this passage. Well, we saw that heaven is, uh, the only way to get to heaven is to receive it like a little child uh, with arms open wide uh, and doing nothing to deserve it. And so uh, my final point is, have we really understood how amazing this gift is uh, that God gives us? Uh, we know that we've understood when we see that it's worth everything. Uh, only those who see that it's worth everything have really understood. 
uh, back in 2009, uh, an unemployed 55-year-old man called Terry Herbert, uh, who's up there on the screen, looks like a bit of a character, doesn't he? Um, uh, he was slogging through a field of mud uh, in uh, Staffordshire with a metal detector, uh, as some people do. Uh, but uh, he had the last laugh because uh, he stumbled across um, lots of metal and he started digging. Uh, and over five days, uh, he found over a thousand bits of gold and silver from the Anglo-Saxon period. Uh, and it was worth in total uh, more than a million pounds. Uh, imagine digging that up over five days and finding it in the mud. Uh, now, Jesus actually told a parable about a man who found treasure in a field. Uh, the man realized that uh, if he was going to own the treasure that he'd found, then he needed to own the field. Uh, and so, he, in, in his joy at finding it, he sold everything that he had, uh, and he bought that field uh, so that he would own the treasure. And Jesus says that heaven, uh, the gift of eternal life, uh, is like finding treasure in a field. Uh, it's worth selling everything you have to get it. Uh, and that's what this final bit of the story about the rich ruler is about. Uh, take a look with me at verse 29. Uh, Peter, one of the disciples, uh, having heard the whole conversation between Jesus and the rich ruler, uh, says this in verse 29. We have left all we had to follow you. Truly I tell you, Jesus said to them, no one who has left home or wife or brothers or sisters or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God, will fail to receive many times as much in this age and in the age to come, eternal life. Jesus says uh, this gift of eternal life, this treasure, it is worth everything. It's totally worth it. But it also points here to the fact that there's always a cost in this life to following Jesus. There's always a cost, but it's totally worth it. Uh, maybe like uh, this rich ruler, uh, you're someone who's seen what Jesus offers uh, and yet you know that there's a cost uh, and you're holding back in following him. Uh, it might be him calling you to change in lifestyle. Um, uh, it might be uh, that you know you're going to face the scorn of friends and family uh, if you follow Jesus. Uh, it might be um, the fact you're going to have to give time and money to serving him. Uh, well, Jesus says it's totally worth it. Uh, don't hold back like the rich ruler. Uh, recognize that you're not good. Uh, recognize that you don't deserve eternal life. Uh, and choose to follow Jesus. And God will make the impossible possible and give you eternal life. Uh, maybe you're someone who, who is following Jesus, uh, as many of you are, uh, and you're feeling the cost of following him. Uh, it was certainly on Peter's mind here, wasn't it? Um, Sophie and I have had um, some of our wider family be pretty unpleasant to us this year uh, because we're Christians, uh, and it's really hard. Uh, and maybe there are things that you're finding hard uh, about being a Christian. Uh, and Jesus says to you here, it's totally worth it. Keep going. Uh, and the reason that we can be certain about that uh, is the very next thing that Jesus tells his disciples. Uh, it's the next chunk of Luke that we're going to look at next Sunday. But Jesus tells his disciples uh, that he'll be killed uh, and then three days later he'll rise again from the dead. Uh, you see, this is how God does it. Uh, this is how he does the impossible. Uh, this is how he brings people who are not good uh, into heaven. You see, because Jesus died and rose from the dead, uh, we who are in Jesus can be totally sure that one day we will rise. Jesus said, 
I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. So to go back to our question at the start, how do we get to heaven? Well, we get to heaven because Jesus died and he rose again. So follow him. It's totally worth it. Let's pray. They asked, who then can be saved? And Jesus replied, what is impossible with man is possible with God. Father God, please humble us this morning. Help us to see that it would be impossible for us to have eternal life, to get into heaven, if it wasn't for Jesus. Uh, Please give us great joy in what he's done for us and help us to follow him, whatever the cost. And please continue to work in us by your spirit so that we learn to put you first and love you above everything else. In Jesus' name, amen.